You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and the EV-focused website, thedriven.io. And one step off the grid, of course. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris, solar industry veteran from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Yes, excellent. Thank you, Giles. Uh, another day in, you know, on the solar coaster, another day of stuff to deal with. Feels like, you know, we've sort of gone five steps forward, three steps back a bit with Corona. But, you know, at the moment, um, everything's good, mate. I can't complain. People have got it tougher than me, that's for sure. Well, they certainly do, actually. And uh, we're going to hear an interesting interview that um, you did um, last week, um, which gives some insight into sort of like the state of the solar industry and also, you know, just some of the issues that people are having dealing with the COVID-19. But Nigel, you'd have to be about the happiest person in the world at the moment because um, we passed on an invitation to you last week and you're going to be one of the first people to test the new electric Harley Davidson. Um, See, when it, um, now this podcast, this podcast has just gone right up a notch. We've got motor, electric motorcycles right up at the top. See, well, where it should be, where true, it should always have been. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, it's I'm true. so excited. It's true. I'm so excited about an electric um, Harley Davidson that I'm, I'm actually going to allow you to drive it past my house. <laughs> yes, that's a good road. I'd, I'd happily drive it past your house. I've been up and down that road a few times on noisy motorbikes and happily yes, do it I've on heard. a Harley. <laughs> no, you're quite right. And that invitation, I, I, I look forward, um, uh, you probably saw my response, which is just kind of just expletives and stuff, but uh, <laughs> I can't wait um, until there's a bike. And in fact, I'd already dropped into my local Harley dealer and had a chat with them and, and said, oh, geez, you know, when are you going to get one? And have you got a charging station yet? And chat, chat, chat. And um they were kind of waiting to see what happened. And so to see this news come out that there's clearly a couple of demo bikes coming into the country that they want um, people to jump on and uh, flog mercilessly in a socially appropriate way, apparently. Have to be careful, but that's a good thing about motorcycling. Individual, socially appropriate uh, way. Tell me what that issues. is. Sorry. Well, what? you know, it means you've got to keep your helmet on. Uh, you've oh. got to keep your helmet on. You've got to stay away from other journalists. You've got to, you know, there won't be group sessions like there would normally be on a session like this. So it'd be probably individuals with one other, you know, someone from Harley come along on another uh, one or something. So that, that so, sounds like, yeah. um, that sounds like so Sophie Verath's experience. Um, she got to test drive the electric um, Mini Cooper. Um, in Melbourne mm. last week and um, you know, oh. socially distanced and things like that. So basically, she sort of turned up somewhere. There was a set of keys or a, a car Someone or something threw like them that. the keys from two metres threw away. them the keys up that, in. you know. Don't stay Washed here. her hands, got in. <laughs> and um, she had to figure out what to do with the damn thing and, and how to start it and how to charge it and things like that. So it's quite an great, interesting experience. That's great. So, <laughs> that's, that's a great a good, way to test it. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite a good little story, actually. So um, have a look at that. That's mm. up on the driven.io. But so tell me, Nigel, I mean, look, let's keep on talking electric motorcycles because we're in the groove. I mean, when you talk to people about electric cars, everyone sort of says, well, look, it might not happen now. It might happen in a couple of years, five years, 10 years. But when it happens, it's just going to happen. It's just all going to go electric because there's just going to be no reason why you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Is the same thing thought of in the terms of electric motorcycles? Oh, what an excellent Or is that like a different beast? Is that a different beast? It is a slightly different beast. I don't think it will um, be over anywhere near as overwhelming as it will be in cars for this simple reason. You just don't have the real estate, right? On a motorcycle, you don't have much space to deal with. So that really limits you in what you can do with batteries and electrical hardware, um, you know, just fitting big chargers in, right? You know, if you want to get a decent charger in there, um, you know, the one I carry around when I'm trying to tour on, when I was trying to tour on my Zero was I had eight and a half kilowatts. And that's a fair bit of electronics to carry around in a box. Um, you've got to fit all that stuff somewhere. So in answer to your question, I think it will be an absolute no-brainer in certain applications. We've already seen it take off hugely in many countries, particularly China, around uh, commuting. Um, fabulous, fabulous application in, in commuting scooters and small bikes. Um, sport is actually where it fits quite nicely in trials riding, in um, motocross, in um, um, uh uh, enduro um, electric can keep up really really well even on the track uh, they're making good progress at the Isle of Man as we saw for many many years um, so I think it's going to be niche applications um, it's a long answer but yeah niche niche mm. it's interesting actually because um, um, my son Sam he did a review of the Fonzarelli Arthur which is a little electric motor scooter which I think you've had a bit of a go on I th- have you yes I think you did um, he had it for a couple of days in Sydney he had it for a couple of days in Sydney, and look, he really enjoyed it. Um, once he got used to it, like um, it seems to me, the transition from a um, a normal motorbike to an electric motorbike is a bit more um, than, say, from a automatic car to an electric car. Um, something about the gears and stuff like that. Yes. I don't really know because I don't ride the damn things. But um, but he said, look, it was fun. But he does not have a garage where he can just plug it in. So he had to haul it out 20 kilos and haul it up to his first floor apartment and then plug it in. And he goes, well, that was a bit of a, that was a, bit of a challenge. That's yeah, a bit of a pain. Yeah, no, you're, you're quite right. It's, it, it doesn't have, you know, um, quite the broad application. Um, you know, certainly mm. I, I, I think the one actually segment that I didn't mention was performance. If, if you love riding a motorcycle, and you love the seat of the pants talk and yes, right off you go. If you love that, you're gonna love motor, electric motorbikes. So there's a there's a there's another market there for the high performance stuff. Um, in fact, I had a call from a guy in Melbourne the other day who is playing around with some of the newer versions of bikes. So yeah, look, yeah. it's not for everyone, but there's definitely some great markets for it. And the great thing is 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 it's more accessible because it's lower cost, right? No, the overall package is low. Cost, and, so. and they can even go in reverse as well. I discovered that when I had a little ride of a Fonzarelli um, about a year ago. They can go backwards. Yeah. Maybe that's going to be the Ooh. new thing, that we're going to have sort of um, reverse motorcycle races. We can go fastest oh. backwards. <laughs> Sorry, just, just just an idea off my top of my head. Yeah, I don't know what you call that. Sort of you, you'd call <laughs> that an FB, wouldn't you? Formula backwards. <laughs> <Sort of. laughs> Perhaps. 
Perhaps you'd have to have uh, you'd have to have really good rear view mirrors. You would, and and you can get reverse gears in some in some motorcycles. I might say in internal combustion engine motorcycles. I think the Goldwings had a reverse for some time because it weighs about four hundred kilos. But uh, yeah, no, that's there. There are all sorts of interesting things you can do when you're just playing with an electric motor. It does does give you versatility like that. Well, look, so far this podcast has been a crushing disappointment for anyone who actually wanted us to talk about solar. So I suppose we actually better get we going. Should. Um, we should. Probably time to thank our sponsors, um, um, Clinergy and PV Cell from Sunwears and also to Solar Analytics. Now, before we get into your interview, just um, solar exports, you know, came up a couple of episodes ago when we we're talking about, you know, the talk about sort of slapping on a tariff, everyone to sort of export back into the grid. Now, there's been a few developments on that front recently. There's been a bunch of different submissions, um, one from South Australia Power Networks, another one from, I think, St. Vinny's, another one from a bunch of people together, the Total Environment Centre, ACOS, and, oh, my God, my brain's just gone flat. Anyway, three different submissions, all pointing roughly to the same direction, and it's kind of interesting um, it seems to me, and let's all hope that they're all sort of working in the best spirit um, of the um, solar consumer here, there. The main thrust of it seems to me to be that um, a lot of people have been unfairly penalised because the Vida had um, arbitrary solar exports or solar limits um, on their installations, and some people haven't been able to export at all, or some people have been limited mm-hmm. to two or three or five kilowatts um it's all been very arbitrary poorly explained no visibility no one knows really what's going on within the networks the idea to solve this is to make sure that the networks actually get around to spending some money on doing this opening up their data and their information so we know exactly what's happening and where guarantee the ability for everyone to be able to export at least something but then maybe do then slap a charge on those who've got bigger systems and who want to export more for whatever reasons. And they promise that this won't be a very big charge. So I don't know what to make of that. It sounds like it's reasonable, but I guess there's always the... <laughs> it sounds like it should be reasonable, but I guess it's um, it's going to be the, uh, the, the... The trick will be in the detail and what's actually finally decided by the rule makers and the regulators. You're, you're great summary, mate. Devil's in the detail. You know there are already a whole lot of mechanisms out there. Let's not repeat it. I've said that before. We don't need another mechanism layered on top of other mechanisms that we've already got, like DER and various other export control mediums. So you know, as long as it's rational, then uh, I think everyone un- understands and agrees that um, we've got to keep fine tuning. I guess the promising thing for me too in a couple of the statements issued by the rulemakers and the regulators and um, the reason why the networks are sort of making this proposal now is that they've kind of accepted that they can't stop rooftop solar, which was kind of their sort of fantasy and their dream for the last couple of years or it seemed to have been. And now they sort of understand that, um, you know, you can't stop this damn thing. Everyone's going to have it and everyone should have it. Um, let's actually try and make it work. So um, that in itself is a good thing. And Actually, brings me on to another little point. Um, the Australian Energy Market Operator put out a um, a report last week too on virtual power plants, and specifically some of the things that we've seen in South Australia, which is you know rolling out the sort of rooftop solar and battery storage, and particularly, which is a really good idea, to low income housing, grouping them all together, operating them as a virtual power plant, and then seeing how they go. And um, the exciting thing about that, I guess, is twofold. One is the fact that um, 
um, they see these things as a good thing and really useful to help manage the grid both in peak demand and minimum demand. So, you know, peak Mm -hmm. demand, obviously providing power when everyone needs it. And also minimum demand, putting things into batteries when you might have too much rooftop solar and not enough other demand. So, you know, sort of answering questions for the grid at both extremes, which is really good. But uh, I think the fascinating thing is, is how these virtual power uh, plants are actually going to operate in the interest of the consumer. So all sounds great in theory. All sounds like, okay, everyone puts it together. We'll put a battery in your house and you'll be able to use it and we'll be able to use it as well and we'll give you this and you'll get that and stuff like that. But some of the um, some of the uh, feedback we have been getting is that, oh, good, we've got this battery in the, in the house. We can never use the bloody thing because somebody else is using it and it's under the control of the, um, the system aggregator. So... That's going to be an interesting experience to see what happens is to you get this thing and it sounds good and it looks good and you want to be able to play with it, but it's not really yours to play with. So that's going to be fascinating to see how that actually evolves and unfolds as to, you know, um, you may have this little gadget, but um, somebody else is switching the kettle on for you, as it were. That is fascinating to see, hear that feedback starting to come out and, and that issue of, you know, what's the benefit for me in jumping into the scheme and participating in this scheme versus, you know, my own personal investment. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're in the, clearly in the early adopter phase of VPP, which is which is great. So people are, you know, they're looking for stuff to work. Um, they're engaged and they're interested. So can't wait to see more of it. Absolutely. Now, Nigel, we have to get on to the interview now, and I'm going to let you introduce this because um, I wasn't able to be involved because um, last week I um, hid in the back of the Tesla and snuck across the border and had an appointment with one of Queensland's finest surgeons. <laughs> and um, so um, you better tell me who we interviewed, or who, sorry, not who, we, the Royal We, no, who you interviewed and what it was all about. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, Hugh and Hugesteger is is uh, is is a guy I've known for many years. He's been in the industry for more than a decade. I think fourteen or fifteen years. He said, uh, so he's been around the traps a bit now, and um, he's got a he's got a really interesting business. Uh, like so many people out there, and I admire anyone who runs their own business um, because it is so hard. I've tried to do it myself, and uh, I'm, I work for someone else now, which probably tells you something about <laughs> about how tough it is in my view. Uh, uh, but Hewan's done a great job, and we had a big, long chat that turned into a long interview. I apologize, listeners, but it's worth sticking to and listening through because he, he gives a lot of really interesting insights into what it's like to run a business, what he's seen, uh, what he thinks um, uh, you know makes a big difference and, and what doesn't, what his secrets are. So it's part of the Me to Solar Business series. Um, and we also talked a lot about the struggles of COVID and, you know, um, uh, the, the, the mental uh, load on everyone um, uh, through what's been an unprecedented time. So really, really interesting chat. Went a bit long, but do stick around and have a listen. Welcome back to Meter Solar Business. Haven't done a Meter Solar Business for a while and um, totally overdue. And so I'd like to um, uh, welcome Hewan Hugesteger. Hewan, welcome to Solar Insiders. This is very exciting, Nigel. We speak a lot, but <laughs> never on this platform. Yeah, that's right. That's I, I, I joked to Hewan... I joked to Hugh in the other day that this is a good conversation. Just stop talking and I'll line it up and we'll have this conversation <laughs> online because we were chatting about so many fascinating things. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hewan's from Smart Commercial Solar and has bounced around the industry 
for quite a few years uh, in in a few different roles, um, but yeah, is now been, the master of. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been a, what uh, fourteen years in solar now, Nigel. Fourteen. At what point in time do you become a? When do you become a veteran? Like, how do I get that status? Because you're a veteran, I believe. <laughs> That's right. Twenty <laughs> was the cutoff line, mate. Twenty. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We'll get there. So you're catching us. You're catching us. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to take you through a series of questions, uh, Hewan, that I ask a lot of solar businesses, and um, everyone will get to know you a little bit through that, and then we might, uh, we might dance around some of your responses, I, I, I think. But tell us your sure. story. How did you end up? sitting uh, where you are today in solar what what's the story that led you to where you are today in solar well i started out in uh after school i i was working on a fruit farm i'd, I'd worked out there for all my life basically from the age of 10 and i had no idea what i was going to do i was really good at um not going to school um and then i thought <laughs> i'd do explosives so I, I started out my life studying explosives and then I, um, I didn't, I didn't really want to real? keep blowing things up. This is a true story. Yeah, this is why I get my wow. debts paid. Um, but then, I, <laughs> but then I got into um, in, in, into building, into construction, and I worked in that industry for five years. I also got a diploma in building studies for my builder's license, and I was just on the verge of starting my own business in uh, civil construction, which is basically digging holes and filling them back in. Um, and I had bought a property um, in northwest Sydney, 40 acres of off-grid. And um, I had good old LJW Solar, one of the other veterans, um, come out and install a solar system for me there. And obviously built a house off-grid and, and very quickly realized, actually, this is pretty cool. And so that was 2004. And um, in 2007, um, started working in in that in that business for LJW Solar, and um, very quickly. You're a customer gone. Um, you're a customer gone mad. Just one one of those customers who just loved the tech so much that they jumped in and um, and got into the industry. I love that. Yeah, it's and you know like leaving off grid, uh, and if anyone is getting into the industry is if you start off in the off-grid market rather than grid tie uh, um, it's it's a much better better training ground and so you know that I, I would drive halfway across the country just to sell a two kilowatt solar system bp solar 165s which i used to buy from you um, at the time <laughs> nigel and uh 8l16 lead acid batteries the worst batteries in the world um and yeah, we did. Uh, that was that was the market back in those days. So, you know, two kilowatts. Wow. I, I remember selling in two thousand and oh, it would have been two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, selling a seven kilowatt system for one hundred and ten grand. It makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have nice. some sins to repay. Put it that way. And uh, then in two thousand and uh, yeah, two thousand and nine ten we were selling like crazy you know the market was 60 cent feed in tariff had started coming in the market was going uh, yes. pretty crazy right and um it was still very domestic but i started to have 
a little bit of an ethical issue with selling to mum and dads who were home only at night and not during the day. And I started looking into the commercial market and um, and realized that this is this is you know good for my background being in commercial construction. Um, I thought, mm-hmm. why are we selling to domestic? Let's start selling to commercial. I, I understood the way in which commercial thought, how the construction process worked um, with the building background. Um, the language of commerce was pretty familiar to me. And so in 2011, I started Smart Commercial Solar um, purely on the basis of, of the idea that actually I can install solar for free and just charge for the energy that it generates. And I didn't know at the time that PPA or power purchasing agreements was a formal name. So I, I thought I was like discovering fire for the first time. You know, um, <laughs> this was like a complete revelation. So I started it on the basis of pay-as-you-go solar, which was my my name for the uh, for PPAs. And um, and uh, I was, so I was the first guy in the market promoting PPAs in commerce. So that's uh, that's where smart I, I remember that. I remember when um, when I heard the news that you and uh, uh, your your um, partners in crime, shall we say, who 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 decided to get this business off the ground, and that you were going to go exclusively after commercial and exclusively after this pay as you go model. And I just remember thinking, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a very, very brave move at the time because the market just wasn't there. So, um, good on you. Well, Here honestly, you are all I started, these years still going. That's right. I, I mean, it was the worst time in the industry. The 60 cents was coming off. Queensland government's 40 cents was coming off. And, and there was just this silence over the market because in those days, it was very, like, the the buyers were very responsive to what government was doing in the industry. And yes. whenever there was a change in government sentiment, it was just like a pull. Just a compl- the phones would stop ringing. Solar's not worth it anymore. The rebates have come off. The government doesn't believe in it. And here I was standing on every mountaintop I could find saying, solar is worth it. It stands up on its own two feet. We don't need government. And, and I was very annoyed at the industry for always um, saying that we need government because we, we really don't. Um, it's nice to have, but it's not necessary. Let's just make this a commercial decision. And um, mm. yeah, I, um, yeah. so that, that was 2011. And it really, I mean, I remember sitting in my, at my kitchen table um, and the phone didn't ring. And I'm starting this company, and it's pretty damn silent when you start your own business. I can tell you, <laughs> that's right. Well, good on you, good on you for 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 having the foresight to do that and get and get in early and surviving all the way through to here. We'll learn a bit more about your business as we go. But let me, get, I'm going to pull you back to the question set because this will help tease out some more things. So let me run through some questions for you. What's the biggest opportunity on your radar right now? Uh, the biggest opportunity on our, our radar right now, well, you might have noticed we just announced our McCain project, um, which is the, the largest single behind the meter installation in Australia. It's 7.4 megawatts. 
of solar plus 1.2 megawatts of uh, biodigester. So 8.6 megawatts, <coughs> largest behind the meter PPA single site in Australia. So that is... Sweet. So that clearly the biggest opportunity really, on your radar and you're, you're in for a penny, in for a pound. So you've got to make that one work now, right? <laughs> well, it's brilliant. It started off exceptionally well. We have a really great relationship with the client and, and our funders. Um, uh, and, you know, we've got a great project team on it. So it's not really an opportunity because we've realized it. It's now under construction. Mm. And, um, mm. and so that's, we expect to finish that by the end of the year, which is um, basically, yeah, um, 10 hectares of tracking system. Um, mm. With a, So we're using Enclave, which is Trina, Trina bought into Enclave, uh, Spanish-owned tr tracking company. We're using mm. uh, Trina, some of it bifacial, um, yep. 440-watt modules, and um, we're putting it into a 22 kV step-up transformer straight into the HV network of the site. And um, wow. yeah, it's very exciting. And to have a PPA that I got to say is competitive with wholesale prices, Nigel. So <clears throat> I'm now, not we allowed were to talking tell you about what that this price on the phone. Is, it's pretty damn cheap. Yeah. Now we were talking about this on the phone the other day, and you were, you were saying that you know the way that you're looking at the market now with respect to PPAs. And, and may I say, I'll come back a step from PPAs. It's relative to your biggest opportunity right now. It's also relative to how you ended up sitting here, but. You and I were chatting about PPAs and kind of lamenting the fact that, you know, PPAs are great and they suit a really nice segment of the market and there are some things that I really love about them. Um, but the, the, the kind of, um, they don't suit everybody. Uh, they, don't, they aren't needed by everybody, but there's something intrinsically beautiful about saying, well, look, rather than buying a solar system, why don't you just buy the energy it produces? And that changes the way you look at it. It becomes then a matter of looking at it and saying, well, what, what are my other energy costs and how do I compare this rate that you're proposing through a solar PPA to, you know, my energy costs? And we were talking about how you've sort of, you've, you've got a different gauge on that out of this project. Well, in general, we, we've been, like, the way that we think about our business, I guess, is we're not selling solar. We don't sell product. We don't sell 100 kilowatt systems. We sell energy over time. We sell a saving to our client. And I think that's a fundamental difference between selling a product. We are selling really energy over time or a service. And that changes the way that we think about ourselves. It changes the way that we think about our product. And it changes the way that we want our customer to think about us. Because, you know, you, yes, you can go out and buy, a, let's say, a 100 kilowatt system. And then it's commoditized. I'm, a, I'm in a war against everyone. But if I'm committing to, you know, let's say, 10 years at 10 cents a kilowatt hour, all that risk comes back onto me. And I need to install a really good product. I need to operate and maintain it. It needs to be safe. And I need my customer to to be you know, happy to buy that energy. energy. And um, yeah, so I think that's a really yeah, it's totally, fundamental It's totally thing. different to just... It's totally different to getting someone to cough up a couple of hundred grand and saying, thanks very much, I'm done here. Yeah, no, exactly. So we, yeah. we're we very strong. We, we've got our own service division. We've monitored every system we've ever installed. So it's about 500 systems under monitoring and reporting. Every month we, we 
we understand where every one of those systems is in relation to what we've promised to our client. So we've got a very long-term view about what we do. And um, obviously the PPAs, um, if they don't perform, then we, we don't get paid and that is very uncomfortable. So we're passionate about making sure that our product is going to work. Uh, great plug that you slipped in there. Uh, what, so <laughs> the, um, this, this leads nicely to the, is this the key to your company's success? That's my next question. You know, is, is it the fact that you're, um, <clears throat> you know, when I'm not looking at your books, I'm assuming you're successful because you've survived so far and you're still here and you've got interesting things to say and you've just landed the largest behind the meter project in the country. Uh, and compared to some of the other very, very large commercial players in the market, you're still open and don't have the administrators in, which is quite different to some of the others. So is, is this the key to your company's success? What do you think the key is? Yeah, I've really been thinking about that a lot lately because it's, it's a pretty important theme to really nail um, why why you or your company or any of our listeners or you know are successful. Um, one our underlying success comes from having a strong set of values. Um, I know this sounds sort of cliche and I hate cliches, but the reality is our core beliefs are real values. And when I've been looking at my sales team or other guys in my team, they actually share my values strongly. And that is, you know, there's an there's a honesty, there's a real sense of um, integrity in the way that we've done business. And that often means that we end up doing open book work with our client. So, I mean, you can't really get more honest than that. Um, but also, you know, we, we fess up when we stuff up, we fix a problem, and that goes right through the, the whole team. Um, in, in a former business that I worked in, um, in the solar industry, there were times when um, my, my personal integrity was jeopardized by the boss not backing up the promise that was made, something went wrong, and the you know the company ran for the hills. and And I've promised that to my team. That's not what we do. Um, hmm. so, so I think so that's an underlying. Are you telling me that the key to, that that's the key to your company's success is 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 value, values, values, yeah, values, yeah. I love it because that's the thing. It. And and recently, you know, we we've, we've been approached by. Um, We've been approached by obviously people interested in investing and, and things like that um, from time to time. And they say, well, why smart? And you say, well, like, okay, here's the balance sheet and here's all the financials. And that's one aspect. But why are we different or why are we special? And it's really hard to quantify in the solar industry. Well, we all sell the same sort of products. 25-year warranty, 10-year on the inverter. <laughs> you know, like when you go into a sales pitch, um, and my, a lot of the listeners do this every day where they have to compete against someone else who's basically selling the same thing. Um, the difference between your business and someone else's is your values, how you treat your customer long-term. And I think that's, that's why I, I have a great team of people. You know, I've only got 25 staff, but each one of those guys, I can tell you, um, are just genuinely good people. I've, I've had bad people in the business and thank God that they've all worked out um, to get out. Um, they sort of just realize they're not a fit and they move on or, or the other way around. And um, so I've got a really cohesive team and, and where some of my competitors 
you know, they might be in administration now or um, heading that direction. I can tell you that, you know, if money is the single driver in the team or, you know, you've just hired from the market and you don't share values, then you don't have a cohesive team that will stick with you through tough times. And, you know, there's no there's no solar company in Australia that hasn't had some tough times. And um, the difference in in those tough times is whether your team gets together and lifts and brings us all out or whether or not we fail. So, yeah, that's the underlying yeah, I love it. there oh, for sure. It's a it's a really interesting way to look at it, and I like it. And 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 I mean, while we're on that topic, two things strike me. Um, one is um, it was actually a, a listener who asked me to ask you this question, so um, a shout out to listeners there. But COVID, how what's the impact? Give me the short version because we're going to run out of time if we're not careful. But how Sorry, has COVID impact COVID? <laughs> how's COVID impacted your business, and how have you survived? So COVID's been interesting. Obviously, uh, the entertainment sector of the commercial solar market has been pretty big, um, being pubs, clubs, and entertainment venues, um, which, you know, being a big part of the industry, actually. I, I would say maybe maybe as much as 15% of the, the, the commercial work that we've done have been on those sorts of facilities. Uh, we Come lost on, around man. about... I th- I think maybe definitely 500, maybe a million dollars worth of projects um, as COVID mm-hmm. hit. Percent, percentage, but, what's that as a percentage? Uh, I'm telling you too much at that point. It's it's a small percentage <laughs> of our work. Um, okay. But I, I think for the industry, it it's probably, hmm. I, I think for the industry, it's 15%. We, we had no problem. We're, I mean, we're, most of our projects are very long-term. Most of our projects are channel partners. And we've just been able to, you know, focus more on manufacturing sector um, and manufacturing and, you know, some of our traditional markets like food, um, products, mm. manufacturing, all of that stuff's actually taken off. So, you know, people are it's, spending more on food, more on products. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard bits and pieces in that. And, and, and this is the interesting thing about commercial, although, you know, across the board, most people in commercial have taken a big hit and um, there's been a lack of um, a lack of ability to spend uh, in the way that they perhaps were pre-COVID because they didn't know where their business was going to be at. They were making adjustments. Suddenly the staff aren't in the office or the factory like they were. So it's, you know, understandable that they might reconsider their solar investment. However, there are some sectors in the uh, some segments of the commercial sector that have, as you say, you know, they've continued on uh, strongly. And um, so it seems like one of the keys to success in commercial is the segment that you're in, right? That's what you're telling me. Definitely. Well, you've got to be prepared to pivot i mean that's another one of the reasons why we've been very successful obviously innovative we're very innovative in the our structures hence ppas and ppas at this point in time anyone um, who can deliver immediate savings to your client and not cost them a thing is brilliant um, in fact all of our commercial ppas who were on entertainment venues um, we actually gave them a uh, three or six month payment holiday. So I would love to see Origin be able to say to their clients, you know what, we know you're going through a tough time. Don't worry about your energy bill. Well, we did that for all of our um, all of our RSLs and pubs who who are under PPAs with us. So oh, 
you know, that's nice, a, a beautiful nice, thing nice. to be able to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, about like being innovative. Now, listen, we, I love it. I love it. Now, we're going to run out of time, so we have to be careful. You've got to condense these answers for me. I'm going to run through the next few <laughs> questions while we get to a, another topic. Let's go. Uh, thinking globally, which person or business most inspires you? Um, personal business most ex- you should have warned me about this Nigel um, no way you know what the person that inspires me the most is the is the working mother I know it's not it's not like Ooh. a lofty thing but like watching my I've got four kids Nigel and um, my wife works uh, for me they are the hardest working most diligent um, people on earth and if you want to get something done you give it to a a, a working mother um all the working mums out there you just have all of my admiration there's no one higher than you jeff bezos can go get stuffed <laughs> that's um it was uh that's the best kudos answer i've ever got on this show thank you what's the single a good answer too what is the single best investment decision you've made in your business uh, the single best investment decision was to ignore my, um, I, I have a commercial psychologist and she told me not to hire Max Stenning, who's my general manager. Uh, she, she, <laughs> she disagreed with me on that and I still hired him and he's been, you know, not only a great friend, but a brilliant uh, guy to have in business. So my, all my good investment decisions have been in the people that I have. Beautiful. What lesson took you the longest to learn in your business? Um, this is, this is, I'm opening up quite a lot here, Nigel, but, um, one of the the things that we experience, like quite often you have experiences through life that, um, have subliminal things. And I've only just really been learning this recently that actually I'm not an idiot. Um, (laughs) you know, I've, I've, I've been telling myself I'm an idiot for a long time. Revelations today. So it's funny how it manifests itself, but um, yeah, um, I I have a very is that the best deep lesson? underlying. Is that the best lesson? That you're not an idiot? idiot. I think it. I think it makes a difference to me, not necessarily to the business, but definitely to me. Yeah. So you're talking about confidence. You're talking about self confidence there, um, and that not you know you're being flippant and hard on yourself, but you know your self confidence and believing that you're not an idiot and that you actually have got a business that makes sense and stacks up and that you can do it and you are doing it and all those kinds of things. That's um, yeah. that's the lesson that took you a while to learn. It's it's a it's an ongoing thing. I mean. You know, you you make your way in life, and you make decisions as you go. And sometimes those decisions work out well, and sometimes they don't. But it depends on how you view the world. And people can say to me all day long that, yeah, great business. And yeah, we are. Like I think we're number two or three in commercial solar in Australia. We're about fifteen percent of the commercial market. So that's great. But that doesn't actually mean anything if what I'm telling myself is that I'm an idiot. So, you know, I think. We'll probably, hopefully, can talk about this later on, but definitely um, watching what you tell yourself on the subliminal level, that's really important. So this is interesting. And, and uh, I'm, uh, you know, when you and I chatted the other day, um, we talked particularly about the impacts um, of, 
you know, the last three or four months and, you know, the stresses and um, pressure that that's put on everybody. There's been an, you know, unprecedented amount of, geez, I've got to learn how to deal with a pandemic now. Um, I've got to adjust my business. I've got to move my staff. I've got to keep build a new model that allows me to, you know, make sure all my staff are doing what they're supposed to be doing without me necessarily being able to see them. Uh, there are all sorts of new pressures that came out of all of this on top of the normal pressure of running um, your own business, which is not insignificant. And all many, many listeners out there would know that. I've actually done it myself as well. And I got scared and went to work for yes. someone else because I found it incredibly, incredibly hard to have all that responsibility heaped on top of you. And when you and I were talking about it the other day, we talked about the impact of that pressure and around COVID. And I'll, I'll come right out and say, you know, uh, a month or so back, the black dog got to me um, with the pressure of everything that was going on. And you and I talked a bit about, you know, uh, dealing with mental health and dealing with the pressures of business. And, um, you know, COVID has kind of exasperated that. And in fact, there, I reckon, I reckon three or four out of five people that I talk to down the road at the pub uh, about what's going on in their life will tell me that the emotional and mental pressure is starting to get to them, everything that's going on. Mm. You know, what's your experience been, mate? Yeah, so, I mean, I ended up with really severe depression, like pretty pretty heavy stuff, right? Um, coming through February, March, which had been building up for a long time. I got, I got some shareholders who are angry with me. That's not helping and stuff like that. But <clears throat> ultimately, um, it resulted in, in really me having to come to terms with the fact that actually... And, and when I came out and said it, it actually really crashed. And I said, I, I, I think I've got depression. And it crashed in on me so hard at that moment. Um, and I spent, yeah, my, my, my family was quite worried. And, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of um, people really concerned about me. And, and you know, um, you know, my my family was coming around and checking in on me and my wife was worried about leaving me at home alone, those sorts of things. So I really, I, I was I was in the real depths of it, uh, pretty, pretty much as as bad as it can get. And, and I realized now as I've come out of that, um, thanks to you know, going to see a doctor and also being open about it, it's really important. But you, I mean, there's a, there's a sense of guilt that comes with that. I mean, why should I feel depressed how could I have these feelings I've got a great life I've got a great family lots of good things in my life how who am I to complain about my life compared to you know many other people who have it a lot worse than me but um, what I've realized I mean we're in a fairly male dominated um, industry um, not unusual to you know a lot of people going through midlife and midlife is when it really hits mid 30s 40 year old that sort of age group and and I haven't really heard anyone talking about it. I, I really, it's been sort of like, I know people have this issue, but, and it's always, are you okay sort of stuff, very surface level. Um, but I think as industry leaders and people who participate in this industry, you know, it's okay for us to talk about it. And I mean, I'd be happy to take a call from anyone who's suffering from it because I've been where you are or where you're going in and and even if you're not there yet be mindful that it could happen at any moment to you as well and it's and it's not a shame 
it is likely to happen, by the way. It's not a shame for you. You shouldn't feel ashamed. You shouldn't feel bad. And you should reach out. And I know you're not going to want to feel like that. But it's the best thing you can do. And, and you will come out of it. And there's many ways to do that. So, yeah, I think it's important that we, we really do talk about that. Our industry is going to have a fair bit of this happening right now. I couldn't agree more, mate. And 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 I know um, I, I was actually saying to my brother-in-law the other night that one of the things that helped me um, to get my head around, you know, feeling a little bit overwhelmed by a whole lot of things that were going on personally and professionally and everything else, uh, having having some good people I could talk to, which includes you, mate. Um, we happened to open up to each other a bit recently and I, that's part of the healing process, knowing there's someone you can, you know, spill your guts on. And, and it may be, you know, personal circumstances. It may be just the pressure of life. It may be the change, which which can be really really hard when there's particularly when there's a huge amount of change. It may be that your business is struggling or, or, or under pressure, or indeed has collapsed. And I know we were chatting um, the other day about um, uh, you know the, the very sad story around uh, today solar, and uh, you and I both happened to reach out. Uh, to some mm. of the people we know in today, Solar, um, and say, hey, do you need someone to have a cup of tea with or, or, or a glass of scotch or do you need to unload right now? You must be going through a tough time. And I um, I commend you, mate, for bringing this up and talking about the black dog and, and having the chance to chat to you about it and also the fact that you, you, you've got an ear or a shoulder out there for other people because everyone goes through it to, to one degree or another. So good on you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um... You know, this is there's a few things I've learned that are pretty helpful. I mean, um, thoughts are not feelings, um, but what you do tell yourself, those thoughts that you do tell yourself, can lead to feelings, and that's really important to arrest um, negative thoughts and and things that people are going to tell themselves. And then there's a whole so lot of circumstances true. that are happening to you, but they're external. Um, reach that's, out. That's I, so I true. But listen, we. I'm trying not to squeeze you, but I'm squeezing you now because we're running out of time rapidly. Uh, it really important topic. So, you know, you, there's two people you can reach out to uh, in any way, mm. sense or, or, or form that you need to. You, you got two here and there's a whole lot more professionals out there. Now, but let me skim through these last few questions while we wrap up. What did you think was true when you started out in business that turned out not to be true? <laughs> well, I thought I'd be... Uh, I thought I'd make a lot more money a lot sooner. Um, it turned out not to be true. I'm still trying to work out where that money is. Um, and uh, if I ever find it, I'll let you know. Excellent. If you could change one thing about the solar industry, what would it be? Oh, that's a really good one, mate. There, one thing. I mean, sort of top of the heap. Come on. One thing, not the list. Um, no, the top of the heap. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'd like to change about the solar industry is its fragmentation. It's fragmented. So, okay, okay. Just give me <laughs> give me ten seconds on. So you think there's too many companies in the industry? So there's too much competition. Everyone's yep. just beating themselves to death, and we should consolidate, and the market should be served by a smaller number of better players. Is that what you mean? Uh, something like that, but at least uh, aligned in values and uh, ethos around business. Um, that would that would go a long way. I mean, we're always talking about it. Competition's really tough. Margins are tough. Um, knowledge uh, amongst a lot of players is very low. 
if we could consolidate, yeah. if we could agree on a set set of values and the way in which we do business, it would stop a lot of parasites eroding margin and Things basically yeah. destroying themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, last question. What do you think your business will look like in five years? Where are you going to be, my friend? It's going to be quite a different business in five years. Um, we we have a dim view of solar um, in general. Um, so, yes, we will be a solar company. We'll be much more than that in terms of where we're already doing, obviously, biomass and other forms of generation and storage. Solar will be part of our business but it won't be all of it. So, yeah. I like it. That's it. That's a that's an interesting uh, answer to leave the leave everyone hanging with what your business plans might be for the next five years, which are obviously more more broad and more diverse, diversified than they are today. Nonetheless, um, that is a great way to wrap up, Hewan, um, and a fascinating journey from uh, an orange-picking dynamite construction guy uh, <laughs> to uh, having an awesome uh, commercial solar business and, and acknowledging some different stuff that we haven't heard before around you know the uh, the values in, within companies and and dealing with the challenges of, of business and uh, as men uh, potentially uh, not only men but but particularly as men what it's like to deal with the black dog so thanks heaps mm. for sharing that mate thanks for taking the time out to chat to us today and uh, thank you. see you around the traps. Really appreciate it, Nigel. Thank you. Who won Hugasaka? That was a great interview, Nigel. Really appreciate it. And um, as you say, some really interesting insights into his own business and also some um, really powerful and personal insights into just struggling with the pandemic, which I'm sure a lot of um, will resonate with a lot of listeners. Yeah, I, you know, I really wanted to talk about that uh, topic and so did um, Hewan actually because – you know, when you're, when you're down at the local bar uh, and you're chatting with people you haven't met and you say, how are you going? How are you coping? You know, how's your, how's your family okay? Is everyone okay? You know, you're going okay through this unprecedented time. I reckon uh, 60, 70% of people I talk about say, oh, it's getting tough. You know, it's getting hard. And um, it's been hard on everyone. Uh, and, of course, you know, my own case of, privileged and fortunate and lucky and you know in so many ways like so many other people aren't and so it's great to take a moment out and think about the people out there who are doing it tough and how we can help each other so um yeah really really fascinating stuff i thought Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, look, thanks for doing that. And we'll continue to um, interview people from the solar industry as we go on, because I think people really value people's insights and it's always get to information. And look, there's actually a lot of really interesting things going on out there. So um, we'll, um, a lot of innovation happening now, a lot of people thinking differently about, you know, not just sort of whacking panels and roofs. Now that we're entering the world into uh, virtual power plants and batteries and electric vehicles and data and stuff like that, so, um, a lot of very interesting things um, going on. And um, I was about to say something then. Oh, yeah, no. Um, look, apart from that, um, you reckon that um, things are sort of ticking along okay in the solar industry, according to your feedback. Yeah, my look. I'm getting we're 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 going well. We're going well, and and we're you know like so many other companies, a bit of a bit of a gauge, um, I think. And um, the market seems to be quite strong. Um, commercials pick back up a bit. Resi's you know just chugging along really really nicely. So, you know, it feels like the market is is bubbling. Everyone's active and busy and doing everything they can. So yeah, I get the sense that, talking to others as well that. Um, 
our industry is doing okay at the moment. So, you know, we've all got to be very, very careful out there. We've got to hope that um, restrictions don't get tougher and start impacting more on business than they are. They are already starting to have a bit of a bit of a bite on what's able to be done in Victoria and slowing things down a bit. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't see the 50% cut that uh, we, we uh, mocked ruthlessly and relentlessly in the last episode i don't see that coming giles i think um i think uh critically the extension of job keeper or some form of job keeper has given everyone a little bit of a sense of security that um you know things are going to be okay and we're going to get through this one way or the other and I think the focus on resilience is also just sort of causing people to sort of rethink and reflect and the fact that people are spending more time at home and so they're thinking about solar panels and um, you're know, talking about that ridiculous 50% um, cut. I actually saw that in the Naimo document, cited in the Naimo document the other day. I was just going, goodness me, just goes to show some of the things that happen. But anyway, never mind. Nigel, um, terrific episode. We'll... Um, We'll have to. Um, hey, when's that? Um, when's your electric Kawasaki? Uh, oh, sorry, Kawasaki Harley Davidson thing actually happening? Is it happening in the next couple of weeks or months? So I just say something really rude, like yes. I just sort of, you know, about as bad as it I swore at the altar or something. I mean, oh dear. <laughs> Uh, don't know. I'm waiting to hear back. Uh, they asked for different options on some of the around some of the logistics and how we how we were all going to feel comfortable doing it. I said, just put me on a bike and I'll ride it. Uh, so I'm waiting to hear back. But um, I think it was I think it was a month or so away. So, but I've 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 cleaned the helmet and uh, put some dubbing on the gloves, <laughs> and uh, I'm ready. <laughs> Fantastic. And look, Will will get a full report on that. Not um, not on this show necessarily, but we're actually um, starting up the uh, Driven podcast again. And that's going to be a regular feature. Thanks to our friends at um, Solaray Energy who are moving from our Energy Insiders podcast to support our revived Driven podcast, which is an exciting thing. So we'll have a regular EV podcast there. And we hope to have you making a few guest appearances, Nigel. And I think particularly with your report back on the electric and oh-so-silent Harley Davidson. So oh, anyway, try and stop me. Try and stop me. <laughs> try and stop you. Thanks to you. Um, thanks to Huon. Thanks to uh, our regular um, sponsors, Kennedy uh, PV Cell and Solar Analytics. Thanks to all the listeners, of course. Um, please do leave a comment, particularly on the Apple iTunes platform, and we'll be back again in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.